as soon as you get into the operator seat as the as the CEO, all of a sudden, it's great that you've identified that there's a problem and a change needs to be made, but now you're responsible for making a change. This is the day that changed everything. A podcast series produced by Maine Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a Maine business leader whose life or business was upended in one day and learned how they navigated their way back. If all great changes are preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to help us make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank, Maine Technology Institute, or MTI, and Sutherland Weston. Remember why you went into business? You can say to fulfill a dream or change the world, but I'll bet the real reason you went into business was to make money. So how are you doing? And would you like to do better? Sutherland Weston Marketing Communications has been helping Maine businesses better do what they were built to do, make money by reaching audiences, catching eyes and ears, and helping them make the sale. Worth a phone call? Find Sutherland Weston Marketing Communications online at sutherlandweston.com. Hello, and welcome to the day that changed everything. My name is Will Hall from Maine Biz. Today, we're talking with Ben Wolin, the president and CEO of Covetris Incorporated. Covetris is an animal health company that provides a variety of technology and services for veterinarians and has over 5,000 employees around the world. But it's headquartered here in Portland and is one of the largest public companies in Maine. Covetris launched in February 2019 as the result of a merger and in the past year or so has been through some big changes. One of the biggest occurred in October 2019 when Ben took on the role of CEO. Ben, first of all, welcome and thank you for joining us today. For listeners who may not be familiar with you or with Covetris, can you tell us a little more about yourself, the company, and how you came to be leading it? Yeah, sure thing. H- happy to do that. And you gave a a good start in your in your preamble. So I am the CEO and president of Covetris. We provide uh, technology-enabled services to veterinarians around the world. We have about 100,000 practices globally. And primarily, we support our customers with three main services. We provide supply chain services, which basically means that we help get products from a manufacturer like a pharmaceutical company to veterinarians so that they can provide care to their own patients. We provide software uh, to veterinarians to run their own practices. Think of it as electronic medical records, plus scheduling, plus other utilities to to manage the day-to-day workflow. And then third, we provide pharmacy services. So veterinarians are also pharmacists and have the ability to not just prescribe medication, but to sell it. And we provide a white-labeled solution to veterinarians here predominantly in the U.S. to run an online solution that allows them to provide competitive e-commerce solutions and pharmacy solutions to their end um, customers. In terms of myself, I have a wife and two daughters, like everybody else, has been navigating the pandemic and and spending a lot of time working remotely from home. As you mentioned, I became the acting CEO and president in October of 2019. Prior to that, when Covetris was formed, which was the merger of two companies, and then Covetris became a new public entity, um, I had joined the board. And uh, shortly after joining the board, I was named chairman of the board. And then I was named interim or acting CEO 
and then permanent CEO in February. So I played, a, I wore a lot of different hats in a short period of time, but have now been really in the seat since October as, as CEO and uh, helping drive the, the business forward. So what was it like when you were named acting CEO? I imagine it must have been very daunting. Yeah, it, it certainly was. Uh, I, I think that you titled the podcast, you know, the day everything changed. I think it was, it wasn't exactly one day, but it, it, it was pretty close. It was obviously a huge change. You know, when you're a director of a company, a board director, you're, you know, your main responsibility is oversight. And, you know, when there is a problem, identifying that problem. And, you know, that's what I did as a director, along with nine other people. You know, as soon as you get into the operator seat as the as the CEO, all of a sudden, it's great that you've identified that there's a problem and a change needs to be made. But now you're responsible for making a change and and coming up with new solutions and driving the business forward. So it was a pretty radical uh, difference. Now, by way of background, I had started and run another healthcare technology company that I scaled and took public and ran for 15 plus years prior to being involved with Covetra. So it wasn't it wasn't the first time I had been a CEO or the first time I had been a public company CEO. So there was a lot of similarities, but you know, it, it, it is, as you meant, as you mentioned, a pretty significant change to go from a director to hands-on operator, hands-on the steering wheel and starting to drive the business and start making changes. More specifically, what, what kind of challenges did you and Covetris face in those early days and the ones that followed? Again, as a director, you, you have some insight into what's going on. You don't know everything. You're meeting quarterly or four or five times a year, uh, but you certainly don't know everything. It, it, it became pretty apparent to me when I got involved on a more day-to-day basis that, one, we needed to make some personnel changes to the company had a lot of great assets, but that we were also trying to do a lot of different things simultaneously, and it felt a bit chaotic. So a lot of my, you know, kind of first month there, the mantra was we need to, you know, slow down to speed up. And and we really focus on actually doing less, but doing it better and and really trying to understand what was going on, where we needed to focus and how we could stabilize the business. And what was the, the biggest difference for you personally in your new role? I would say the biggest difference was while Covetris was one company, in truth, it really was a, a fragmentation or, or a company of, of, of many companies. So when Covetris was formed, you know, there was a local company in Maine called Vets First Choice, which merged with a spin out. Uh, Henry Shine's animal health business, but Henry Shine's uh, animal health business was really a hold co. They owned 30 different assets around the world and, and they were completely unintegrated. They had common ownership, but that's about it. So this really was a merger of one company into 30. And I, I did not, I kind of understood that. Maybe I saw it on a spreadsheet or PowerPoint, but I didn't really fully appreciate the the full extent of that and what that meant from a cultural standpoint, a system standpoint, uh, diversity standpoint, everything that you could imagine of when you try to bring 31 companies together and at the same time. So, um, you know, we, 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 there was a lot of um, uh, excitement, enthusiasm for the idea of Covetris, but when you peeled back the layers of the onion, what you realized was there's really 31 companies here 
And in some places, they were cooperating well, and in other places, they didn't even know each other existed, or it was, or they were at odds with one another. And and that you don't solve that problem overnight, uh, but just learning about it, understanding it, certainly shaped how I thought we should go about, you know, running the company in the over the next kind of two to three year period. I imagine there must have been a lot of cultural differences as well. Absolutely, there there, there was no unified culture. I mean, it was exactly as you could imagine what it would bring 31 companies together who were spread geographically spread out all over the world. You know, we have almost 6,000 employees, 300 in Maine. So like just just the head alone, you know, kind of gives you a picture of what it's like. And so, yeah, you had very disparate cultures. People thought there were different priorities. Everybody, I would say, hard in the right place. Everybody wanting to succeed. Everybody wanting the new entity to flourish but not a lot of cohesion around how that might happen and, and where we needed to combine things and, and where things needed to be left alone. And did you face some pockets of resistance internally among the employees? Look, you, you always find that, you know, if you, you have 6,000 employees, not everyone's going to see the world the same way. But, you know, what was interesting when I took over as CEO, the company had gone through a pretty rough period of time in the first nine months of being a public company. And there's a lot of reasons why, but it it was challenged. And I think there was one common theme, which was everybody felt like we weren't, they weren't succeeding at the level that they thought they should be. And so there was a general recognition that something had to change. There's a lot of viewpoints of what that might be, but everybody agreed we needed to do something differently. And so that kind of uh, greased the wheels, I think, for me to come in and say, look, we need a new way forward or a new path forward. Here are the things that we're going to focus on. Here's the stuff that we know are issues, but we just can't deal with right now and starting to push the company forward. How did the, the, the employees welcome you as a newcomer? And what kind of reception did you, did you have when you took on this new role? I would say it ranged the spectrum from I know about Ben and uh, I'm I'm excited he's here and I'm really excited for what he's talking about to the complete other end of the spectrum of roll your eyes I, I guess there's a new person but nothing's going to change and you know we'll we'll see to somewhere in the middle of I guess I'll give him a shot but you know the the proof is in the pudding you know which is almost what it's not nothing that I didn't expect. I mean, I think it's natural, especially for a business that's gone through or an organization that's gone through a turbulent time. I mean, you're going to get everything from, you know, optimism to pessimism. And, and truthfully, that's fine. A lot of it is about what you do and what you say, and can you drive change inside the business? So I didn't fault anybody for their their perspective. I just needed people to keep an open mind to trying to do things differently. What were your feelings about stepping in this way? Did you feel excited? Was it something you found really daunting? You know, it's both invigorating and daunting at the same time. You're excited by all the possibility and and you see tons of opportunity. And then you're also overwhelmed by just the sheer magnitude of the things that has to happen. And, and some of the things that you assumed were happening aren't happening at all. And you kind of that first 90 or 120 days, every week, there's some new things. Some of them are good and some of them are bad. And you're like, I, I can't believe XYZ was happening. But again, I, I kind of expected that. You don't know where it's going to come from. You just, you, you just know it's going to happen. But it, it's like I said, I think 
it's both exciting and, you know, a bit nerve wracking at the same time. But I don't think if you're not nervous about it, I, you know, then then you're probably not being realistic about it either. Was there a point when you just said, you know, what have I gotten myself into? I've really underestimated uh, the challenges ahead and just said, wow, this is this is really too much. I'll tell you a funny story that might answer this question. So I, I'll, I'll never forget this. So the the first day I got there, after the first day, I I sat down with uh, the head of HR, global head of HR, and I told him, you know, here's my plan. I'm going to go and I'm going to listen to as many people. I'm not going to make any rash decisions. In three months, I'm going to come back, you know, with a plan uh, to the board, and then we'll we'll get some feedback on it. We'll start executing against it, and then. After day two, I sat down with the same person. And I was like, you know, I think, you know, I have some ideas. It's probably going to have to move a little bit faster. There's some bigger problems here. Give me a month and I'll come up with my plan. And then I think by the end of week one, I think I said, all right, there's some big issues here and I need to move fast. I really cannot wait. We're going to start doing stuff today. So it wasn't exactly one day, but I would say over over a 72-hour period, I, I, my, my thinking evolved a lot. And, and the, I, I, probably the biggest change was just the sense of urgency and speed with which I needed to act. Okay, this is great, Ben. It's, it's clear you had your work cut out for you. So we're going to take a quick break right now. And when we return, perhaps you can tell us a little more about how you responded to these challenges and how the, the company responded. Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before. Which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities, and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org. The general employee population also was really hungry to help to have a say and help drive the company and and we focused a lot about empowering that welcome back to the day that changed everything again we're talking with ben wolin the president and ceo of covetris and ben before the break you were telling us about the challenges you faced when as a relative newcomer to the company you were named acting CEO and then the, the permanent CEO. Could you start by maybe telling us what was the first thing you did in this new role in order to deal with the challenges that were on your plate? I would say it was two things. One was I, I held a series of town halls uh, with employees. And probably the most important thing I did in those town halls was acknowledge to the employees that we did not have it right, that we had made mistakes, that we did not get it right, that the company was not succeeding at the level that it should be, um, and that we had to make changes. And it was that kind of admission of lack of success or failure that I think opened the door for people to being receptive and and believing that I was going to be honest and transparent with them. I, I talked about a lot of things that were going well inside the company, but I wasn't a f- afraid to admit that we hadn't gotten it right. So that was kind of number one. And, and that, I think, was an important uh, thing to say and, a, and a, an important foundation for how we wanted to lead the company going forward. 
The second thing was more at the executive level. We, we had a group of leaders who all ran their independent businesses. And as I was telling you before the break, we really had a collection of companies. There was really no sense of collective ownership over the enterprise. Individuals ran their business. They didn't run the company. And so the most important thing I did early on was get that group together and said, look, this group is running the enterprise first and your whatever your individual job is second. Uh, you might be the head of HR, the head of technology, or the head of Europe, but really your job is to run Covetris, regardless of what your, you know, whatever your uh, resume says or whatever the, you know, PowerPoint org structure says. And that was really important thing to do and, and brought the people together. And that's still an evolution. You don't, you don't do that overnight. Uh, but th those two things is what I kind of point to as key pieces of, of driving the business forward in those early days. Did you discover some hidden assets, uh, qualities that were kind of unexpected that helped you and your organization as you went along? Uh, uh, totally. I mean, you, you, when you start to bring people together and say your job is to run the company and when you are transparent and honest and say, I'm, I'm open to all feedback and, I, and especially what's not going well, you learn a lot. You learn a lot, a lot about people and who, who wants to step up and be a leader and, and who might want to continue to work in the old way of working. So absolutely, you're, you're, you're kind of learning new things every day about the organization's assets, the individuals, and you know, where you have talent and where you have gaps. What about unexpected obstacles? Were there challenges that you didn't anticipate, things that you just couldn't have foreseen? And how did you respond? Always. I mean, you know, there's always things that you, you don't know going in. And I, I expected it. And, you know, it's interesting, a real, like a, a sign of progress for me was, you know, in the beginning, I had a new surprise every day, sometimes twice a day. Um, oh, my God, no one told you about this. There's this $3 million problem over here, or this personnel issue or customer issue. And that's happening, like, and you're dealing with it, you know, multiple times a a day every day and then it kind of dissipates and it's you know twice a week and then I think it was like a couple months ago when I woke up one day and I'm like oh I haven't had any like I there are problems but I know about them all and I haven't had any complete surprise of any material big thing I mean you know a company of 6,000 people spread out all over the world there's always things going on you don't know about but but in terms of big big issues that stuff stopped happening after, you know, six months or, or happened with much less frequency, which was a, a sign of, it wasn't necessarily a sign that the company was executing perfectly it was, uh, as much as we had a good lines, we had good lines of communications, problems were surfaced early and we did our best to address those problems. It sounds like you must have had to uh, learn a lot along the way. Yeah, and, and, and certainly wrapping my head around everything that was going on inside the company and what needed to be focused on. Can you tell us about something that really failed? I mean, some initiative that you undertook uh, that had perhaps high hopes for, but, you know, where things just didn't really, really didn't work out. Gosh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's always stuff that you're trying to do, you know, pushing the business forward and initiatives that you focus on that just, it's generally, it just takes longer, costs more money and is harder than you had originally anticipated. You know, that, that's what I think about. We had one line of business that we were very excited about. It seemed so obvious. We just needed to focus on it and push it hard. 
And, you know, we, we did that. It's still not succeeding at the level that we thought it should be. We thought it'd be a lot easier. And so, you know, what you might have chalked up to our, hey, the company's just not focused. You don't have enough resources. Hey, there's actually a market impediment, you know, that you need to go solve. And it wasn't about your people or your organizational structure. It was actually about the asset that you had. So that always happens in business. It's really about how you, how you adapt to it that makes you successful. And Ben, how did you and your colleagues all contribute as a team? My colleagues were the ones driving the, the bus. And as I said, you know, I focused on bringing that group together and, and, and empowering them to run the company. And so it, it certainly wasn't just me. It, it was all of us. And I think they did a really great job of stepping up and taking ownership and control. And, and being invited to step up was a big component of it. And, and I think the general employee population also was really hungry to help to have a say and help drive the company and and we focused a lot about empowering that and so i'm i'm just both grateful and and proud of uh how the company has responded over these kind of first nine months this is interesting stuff ben it sounds as if you had a really good foundation to build upon when you took on leadership of covetris we're going to take one more quick break And when we return, we'll talk about what you and Covetris have learned from the day that changed everything. You've worked, you saved, and now it's time to enjoy what you've earned, your retirement. This is Kurt Garasha of Norway Savings Asset Management Group. We're more than just retirement advisors. We're family fiduciaries, promising to put you and your family's interests and goals first. Let us help you write your next chapter. For more information, visit norwaysavings.bank. Investment products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed by the bank and may lose value. The key is running today and tomorrow at the same time. Like you can have the greatest week in the world, but guess what? There's another week next week. There's another year next year. And so I think we have a lot of work in front of us. We're back. I'm Will Hall from Maine Biz, and I'm talking today with Ben Wolin of Covetris about the day that changed everything. Ben, last fall, you found yourself the new CEO of a $4 billion company. You had to take on some immediate and pretty formidable challenges. Overall, what do you think the the biggest lessons you learned from this period of change were, both for you and for the company? Uh, What were the big takeaways? I think my big takeaways are that if you empower a team to take hold of a company and and drive its direction and and preach teamwork and evolution and that they're responsible for evolving the company that you you really can make tremendous progress and if you couple that with transparency and honesty even with yourself about what's working and what's not working you you really can make pretty large changes and be impactful in a in a pretty short period of time how do you think your team feels about the progress that you've made? Would they call this a success so far? That's a good question. We'd, we'd have to ask them. Look, I think I think so. Uh, certainly for me, for our team, you know, you're always, people are always going to learn their own things. That, you know, they're going to certain things are going to resonate with them. But I think that that concept of really calling it like it is and, and not being afraid to speak up when it's not working, has it's not just me, it's lots of leaders and, and, and really pushing to think about 
what's the right thing for the enterprise rather than what's just the right thing for my business are, are things that resonate. Certain people adopt it quicker than others. Some people are resistant to it in the beginning. But in general, I, I would hope that most of the team would say that and, and, and recognize the power of that. And overall, what kind of a job do you think you and the company have done? What kind of a uh, grade report would you give yourselves? I think that the company has done a really nice job in this first period of stabilizing the business and, and getting focused. I, I think that the work, you know, the work continues, you know, running a business, as I often tell myself and, and my team is, you know, the key is running today and tomorrow at the same time. Like you can have the greatest week in the world, but guess what? There's another week next week. Uh, there's another year next year. And so I think we have a lot of work in front of us to really evolve and change the business. We've done, I would say, a great job of, of stabilizing the company, starting to build a culture that we're proud of, values that we're proud of. Uh, we've really adapted well during COVID, uh, and I'm really proud of the group. But you know, we can't stand still. We really need to keep evolving. Now, when you look out at the horizon, what do you think lies ahead, say, over the next 10 months or a year? I think we're going to continue to evolve. I think our, our these, these disparate businesses that I've referenced a couple of times during today's conversation will be brought together in a more synchronized way. Uh, right now, everybody is playing nice in the sandbox and doing their best, but they're not it's not one cohesive unit yet. Some more than some areas more than others, but you'll see more combination of of businesses into one entity, more commonality across the businesses about how we approach the market, and that will help drive us forward. and And then I think you'll start to see us innovate in our respective areas. We we've made a lot of investments in technology, and we'll continue to do that. And we really want to surprise and delight our customers and help our veterinarians provide better care and, and drive better economic outcomes for themselves. And we have a lot of things, uh, a lot of things in the kitchen that aren't quite ready for the dining room, but we're getting there. And we're excited about, you know, what the next 12 months looks like. Some of the things that you've talked about, uh, you know, they would seem to be of value to the leaders of a, a large company like yours or a small business. Are there any other sorts of general words of advice that you'd want to give a business person? You know, beyond what I've already talked about today, about the importance of transparency and honesty and bringing people together in a way that they feel a shared sense of accountability over the business. The only other thing that I would add to that is I would say it's, it's all about the people. At the end of the day, as the CEO of the company, you're just one person. There's no way that you can do everything or drive everything. And so you're only as good as the people that you've surrounded yourself with, whether they be your peers or your, your board or the people that work for you or everybody all throughout the whole organization. So devote your time to cultivating the right talent, rewarding and recognizing the right talent, and, and, and that will help you succeed. If you don't have the right people, it doesn't matter what, how good your idea is or whatever the PowerPoint says, you won't get it executed, you won't succeed in the market. And overall, how do you feel about things that lie ahead? You know, it's funny. We go back to the beginning. How did you feel when you changed? It's the same thing, I think. Invigorated, daunted. I mean, you're, it's at least for me, uh, my personality and everyone's different. That I always carry both of those. I'm a, it's an oxymoron to be an optimist and a pessimist at the same time, maybe. But 
but I guess I am because I'm, I'm constantly nervous about what's around the corner, but constantly excited about the opportunity. And I hold those two opposing thoughts in my mind all the time, which might drive me a little crazy sometimes, but I also think it's what allows you to succeed on some level. Thank you, Ben. It's been fascinating learning about Covetris, about your role, and about your day that changed everything. We really appreciate your spending time with us. For Maine Biz, I'm Will Hall, and we thank all of you for listening. This has been a production of Maine Biz. Find out more about this podcast and other Main Biz media products at mainbiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank, Main Technology Institute, or MTI, and Sutherland Weston. The Main Biz podcast team includes Renee Cordes, Will Hall, Maureen Milliken, Allison Nason, Andrea Tetzlaff, and Donna Broussard. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedenka. Logo and marketing designer is Matt Selva. The Main Biz podcast team also thanks Peter Van Allen, Betsy Vanderplug, Ken Hansen for their contributions. Subscribe to the Main Biz podcast at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Copyright 2020.